This podcast contains strong language. Listeners, be advised. Well, you like friends and you like food. So how about friends with food? With Zoe and Heather. Welcome. This is Friends with Food, the podcast where we talk about the show Friends and a recipe inspired by the episode. I'm Zoe. And I'm Heather. And we are your hosts. And today we are joined by a very special guest. Carolyn is an LA-based actor, comedian, and writer. Welcome, Carolyn. Hi. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. We're very excited. Nervous. (laughs) (laughs) Don't be nervous. We can't hurt you through the internet. You know, we can't hurt my feelings. We can't (laughs) hurt you through the Zoom. You can always just run away. So today. And then Kara left the Zoom meeting. (laughs) And uh uh-oh, she dropped her headset and there she goes for the door. Oh no. Okay. She's still here. Thank goodness. Um, Our episode today is the hundredth episode of Friends. So season five, episode three, which first aired on Thursday, uh, October 8th, 1998. That's right. Should we talk about some cultural context of what was happening at that time? Yes. Um, Zoe, what do you got? Great. I'll begin. Um, So the headline from the New York Times was how software's giant played. Oh, my God. Hold on. I'm sorry. Let me reread this. How software's giant played hard played a hardball game. So basically, that makes no sense, but basically... That's a terrible our, headline. <laughs> our software's giant played hardball game. Yeah, it's... Is I it trying to, to like, make a joke that. about soft and hard, like, software hard game? Yeah. I think it works better on the page, as, the, as <laughs> Howard, our comedy teacher, would say. I think it reads better on the page, and when you say it out loud, you're like, this is literally nonsense. My brain um, still But basically, it's an article it. about Microsoft. <laughs> yeah, no, not at all. Um, basically, it's about Microsoft versus Netscape and, like, the browser wars of, like, Netscape was trying to get their browser out, and it was talking about how Microsoft was, like, basically trying to, like, smash them or whatever. All right, so, yeah, Netscape. That was the thing. I mean, Netscape for sure lost, seeing as how I haven't <laughs> read or heard that word in like over 10 years. So, yeah. It's oh, like yeah. when you see someone with an email address and it's like, you know, their email at Netscape or at SBC Global, you know that they're like 100 years old. Oh, yeah. Oh, for I'm sure. Thinking about the only person who I know who still has that is like my dad. Has yeah. Some weird. I'm like, just, just get Google. Even my mom has Yahoo and I'm like, what are you doing? Like, I met someone recently who has a Hotmail address and I was like, what do you mean Hotmail? I think they were like my age. (laughs) I think I have one that's like a retro account that is like defunct. But um, yes, I did have one at one time. Oh, yeah. Um, I think we all did. Yeah. And then we all were like, it's time to move on from this. And some people are still in that world and, you know. You know, Good some people them. also have hairstyles that I don't understand. So I get it. Um, it also kind of reminds me of, uh, I think it's a joke in uh, in Parks and Rec where like everyone is using Alta Vista. <laughs> like in one of the episodes of Parks and Rec, everyone is like, and it's when like, you know, Ben, Adam Scott is still like new to the town. And he's like, I don't understand why everyone in this town uses Alta Vista. Like, what <laughs> are you talking about? Google it. Anyways, any news headlines that you dug up, Heather? So the article that I found 
was basically around, it's still around Clinton's impeachment stuff. So his impeachment trials were in like January, February of 98. And this is now October. And the article that I found was, no, the article headline that I found, I didn't actually find the article, was House Judiciary Committee votes to full-scale investigation of whether Clinton's cover-up is grounds for impeachment, which basically I have come to understand is like, they were like, we don't think that he should have been impeached based Mm. on this. Yeah, I don't remember the details either, but I did see a headline that I did see that headline or a similar one that had a quote from Clinton saying like, vote, just vote like Clinton to the house, like vote your conscience on the inquiry or whatever. Mm. And I was like, huh, that's interesting. Hmm. And then I found other articles that said that uh, his chief of staff and senior advisor had resigned that week, October 5th, they resigned. Mm. So, I mean, that doesn't usually bode well. No, it doesn't. Another like kind of funny news related thing from this era is that I actually noticed that in the episode, um, Joey's holding up a newspaper at one point. Yes. So I wrote down those headlines just Mm -hmm. because I thought that would be kind of funny to include as well. And I mean, it's obviously just like a prop, like a dummy newspaper. But the headlines that I was able to read from it, one says, UN quits relief. And then the other one just says, Russia hopeful for economy. (laughs) (laughs) I had to pause it and go back because I wanted to see them too. Me too. And and I do love Russia hopeful for economy. (laughs) Just like, (laughs) we hope it happens. We'd like it. Also, like UN quits relief. I'm just like, the whole UN is just like, you know what, helping people. Nah. We're out. <laughs> Another thing that I saw that wasn't exactly this week, but I decided to include it in my notes because I know, Kara, you are a big baseball Giants fan. End of September in 1998 was the big uh, home run hit off between Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. And so... Wow. Zoe, I don't know what your feelings are about sports, but uh, go Giants. Great. Great job. What I like to hear. I'm a Giants fan as well, although I didn't become one until I um, moved to San Francisco for high school, which was like 2001. So it was like the next time that they were in the World Series Mm -hmm. was when was like my first time of. Yeah. What a great time. Caring. Yeah. 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 And that was a great one, too. So, yeah. Well, these folks didn't play for the Giants. They played for the Cardinals or the Cubs. But it, I, I mean, I remember being a young person in 98 and watching the, the hit off. And it was like, you know, one game. I mean, they were tied for a while. And at one point, one game, McGuire would be ahead and then Sosa would be ahead. And then it ended up that uh, McGuire won 70 home runs in a season and Sosa only had 66. And then um, shortly after that is when the whole, um, they called it like the iron curtain of the Olympics and also major league baseball when there was the entire steroid scandal that Mm. kind of revolved around Mm. uh, Barry Bonds. But Mark McGuire was one of the athletes because almost everyone in baseball was on steroids at that point. There was no testing. It was technically illegal. But Mark McGuire is one of those people that came forward and was like, yeah, I was definitely on steroids. Wow. What a time. What a time. What a special time. What a time. Drugs for all. Tiny, trivial testicles. Lots of drugs. 
Yeah, I mean, they were talking about like Barry Bonds' measurements and like his head grew like three hat sizes. And they're like, this doesn't Whoa. happen from, that's from not, just working out. I don't feel out. like that's healthy. No, that's it's not. That's not cute. So that's bad also, for you. Like your, your muscles are supposed to grow, not your, not your head. No. Especially he was also at the end of his career when he got, he left, went from the Pirates to the Giants and then all of a sudden he got yeah, what a is, lot your, better. Your head's just like swollen? Yeah, and his feet, like every part of his oh, body, well, not every part got bigger. <laughs> uh, Hello. Uh, <laughs> on that note, we can move on to the song that was number one on the top 40, which was the same one that we talked about last time, which is Monica, The First Night. Are you yeah, familiar? I, I listened to it this time. So I didn't listen to it last week when we talked about it. Mm-hmm. But I listened to it this time because I was like, I, I probably would have heard it. And I, I don't I don't know it. When I was growing up in the 98s, I was listening to either like Backstreet Boys, you know, like the the teen whatever or oldies <laughs> like yeah, it was I listened and to it was oldies it was pretty much exclusively oldies and then to be cool around my friends I would listen to whatever they were listening to but I like oh, didn't man. know it so I wasn't actually cool well because this was like the Brandy and Monica the boy is mine era which I was obsessed yeah. with um yeah and some of the other songs I don't I didn't remember the Monica song but I probably recognize it if I heard it but also, like, the Deborah Cox, How Did You Get Here, was on the list for popular songs at that point. And I don't know why, but I had um, the single of that CD that I probably got for free or from, like, Warehouse Music. Yeah. But the that song, uh, How Did You Get Here, I remember the music video. It's her, like, around, like, butterflies and stuff. And it's, like, about, like, her, like, kind of opening her heart back up to love. And it's one of my favorite songs to this day. You need those butterflies to open yourself oh, back up to love. I'm listening to it in my head, but I don't want to sing because it would be embarrassing for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I know that one, actually, but I was thinking about the, like, I think the, um, what I most know Monica from is from, like, The Boy Is Mine and Monica versus Brandy. And I think I was more in the, like, Brandy camp. And I don't know if that's because I was also, like, young enough that, um, you know, when Brandy did like Cinderella, that oh, was yeah. like very cool and stuff like that. And yeah, good times for sure. And I didn't know the Monica song until I looked it up last time either. Mm. Yeah, I feel like the only Monica song I can remember off the top of my head is I think she did a song called Angel. And I remember what the music videos look like for these things for some reason. Music videos from this era were fantastic for sure. Okay. Um, the top movie at the box office that week i think we can all agree was ants yes yeah yes Um, i was looking i was looking up when bugs life came out because i was a big ants fan i loved ants and everyone loved bugs life i mean i get it they're both great movies, but I loved Ants, and yeah. I I felt like everyone made fun of me for liking Ants more than Bugs Life. But Bugs I do Life feel came like out Bug- like just a couple couple, couple months later. later. Yeah. yeah, I do feel like Bugs Life was kind of the more popular one. I know <sighs> I saw them both at the time. To be honest, I don't really like have a super clear memory of either of them. Now they're both like have tons of great comedians in them, which is awesome. And I would. Yeah. I was like, I should rewatch these movies. <laughs> that was kind of my thought process, but yeah. Man, for some reason, I recall Ants as being like the cheap knockoff of wow. 
a bug's life. But right. it's funny. Rude. What I remember from ants is that ants was really, really scary. Mm. Meanwhile, a bug's life was more like colorful and like, oh, I'm a beautiful, I'm going to be a beautiful <laughs> bumblebee, like silly, cute one. But the ants one was the, I think, wasn't the ants one the one with the grasshoppers that was trying to steal the ants' food? You know, I don't even remember. Scary. I was like, oh, wow. reading the like logline or whatever today. And it seems like it maybe had some like communism, like undertones <laughs> or just like political like themes. Well, you know, um, the good of yeah. the colony. Right. right. Yeah. When but I was I nine, like- I was really into communism. So that's why. No wonder you were blacklisted at such a young age. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's true. I do feel like looking back, Ants like feels a little edgier or whatever. And like a bug's life maybe was a little more family friendly. I mean, obviously they're both cartoons, but right. Yeah. Anything else from that era that we want to talk about before we dive into the epi? The epi. Well, I do have the National Nielsen rating. Oh, great. Um, we forgot to talk about that last episode. We did. But um, this week, the National Nielsen rating was ER was number one with 29.34 million viewers. Friends was number two at 26.82 million. Mm-hmm. And then Frasier was 25.66 million viewers. Mm. Um, and then in the, I guess, newspaper, um, yeah. there's a picture of Lisa Kudrow from the episode. Mm. And I think it's because it was the 100th episode. And so they were talking about that. Well, yeah. And actually, I wasn't sure when to organically bring up the topic of the 100th episode. But um, just a tidbit. Now's your time. Now's my opportunity. Just a, a tidbit, you know, my half-assed TV knowledge that I am now bestowing to all of you patient listeners. Um, so apparently, especially like before streamers, when it was more sort of traditional TV, like getting to 100 episodes was like a huge like goal for shows especially like I want to say especially half hour shows I guess I don't really know if that's true but um for network shows getting to uh, you know being being renewed for enough seasons that you get to 100 episodes if you hit 100 episodes then you can be sold to syndication so that's like so then you can be like then you can be on reruns basically all the time and that's like a huge marker of like a successful show and then like just obviously you can make way more money from being sold into syndication and like keep getting paid forever so it's you know it's it's one of those things like the structure of tv has changed so much and continues to change i mean now it's like it almost seems like it's sort of quantity of shows versus quantity of like episodes per show anymore like with all these streaming shows like you know a lot of shows that we love have like you know they have seasons of like six episodes or something like that right Mm -hmm. because like for the streamers like netflix and hulu it's more important to them to like have a lot of different shows to choose from and not necessarily to have like a hundred episodes of each one of those shows. Yeah. Also they, um, with a lot of streaming sites, what they kind of realized with new shows is after the third season, that's kind of the cap on when they'll continue to get new um, viewers and new subscribers Mm, for those shows, which is why like Netflix will just automatically cancel a show, even if it's really popular after three seasons, because they're not getting subscribers anymore. 
Oh God, it's so frustrating. That's, that's so interesting because I feel like when I'm choosing to watch a new show, I'm looking for long seasons. I'm looking for something that has a lot of seasons because I want to spend a lot of time with this show, with these characters. I don't want to have to look for a new show in two weeks when I've gotten through, like I've blasted through the three seasons. Well, exactly, yeah. exactly. I mean, like there was a, a show that we wanted to watch and my partner, Alex, is very selective of, as to what he'll watch, which I'm not. I'll watch everything. But um, there was this one show that we heard was really good, but he was like, there's only one season. I don't want to watch it. Like, it's not worth it to like get invested and like, take the time to watch it. Yeah. So, you know, it, being that they're not making that ad revenue for the shows, all those long shows right. are all network shows that they basically have the rights for, but it would, yeah. it's too, it's not cost effective for them to make really long shows. Totally. Uh, in the long run, especially when they're making so much content. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. And it, of course, it's had like a huge effect on like, you know, I've just heard I've heard things from like, you know, TV writers that are like, it's just very different in terms of like finding work and getting staff like you might get staff for a season of a show that's like six episodes, and then it's only like three months of work, versus like, it's a year of work, or it's like, three years of work, or whatever the case may be. So the whole like landscape is just like changing a lot. But yeah, yeah. But I thought that was interesting that, um, you know, the title of the episode is the hundredth. Um, and that used to be like a really big thing for shows to get to 100 episodes was like a huge deal. So yeah, it makes sense. I mean, look, we're, we're five seasons in. They, I, I don't know at this point how long they thought the show was going to go on. Obviously, right. it ended up going to 10 seasons. But I mean, to be able to get to five seasons, that's it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Yeah. And I think a lot of shows do peak around this time, which is, you know, as we've discussed, like one of the reasons we decided to do the fifth season is because it's a great season. And yeah. I thought it was interesting watching this episode that this is the episode that they chose to be their 100th. And I was like, thinking about it and I was like well it's not like the episode's that like weird or different but at the same time I mean they do have Phoebe giving birth to the twins which or the triplets which is a pretty like big deal that's not um you know they could have had that at any time within a few months before or after so that was right. a cool choice I thought but before we dive too much into the episode Kara tell us about your relationship to the show Friends man I don't think I've ever tried to sit down and watch friends like I've never like binged it or anything like that and you know earlier today I had a friend over who had to do a self-tape for a commercial that like had a bunch of like pop culture references and uh, most of them were from friends and I understood every single Mm -hmm. um, reference I knew exactly Mm -hmm. what it was from even while watching the episode I I knew exactly we were in the season because I was like oh this is when um Chandler and Monica have already started dating, but they're still keeping it a secret. Um, Cause I remember yeah. that episode where they're like, everyone's kind of finding out at the same time mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and keeping that knowledge a secret and it keeps building, which I, and I love that episode. And I was sitting there being like, how do I know everything that's happening here? Because I've, I've never seen this show, <laughs> <laughs> but I've seen so much that I know, but I don't think that there's a single point that I've binged it. So I don't know why I know every single reference of friends that exists. Love that. I love that. I feel yeah. like it is that thing that was just kind of on when we were, you know, teenagers and then, you know, it was in syndication, it was on reruns. So at least I know for myself, there were definitely years of my life where like, 
whatever was on at 11 p.m. on, you know, channel 11 or whatever the free channel was, is like something I probably had on in the background, you know, before streaming was like such a thing or whatever. Um, So it's very in the like culture. Yeah. And even now when I'm scrolling through TikTok, a lot of the time, like I'll stop and see a video and it'll be a clip from friends or it'll be a friend's bloopers and blah, blah, blah. So I see that stuff all the time and I find myself stopping and watching regularly, but yeah. And I, I feel like I know everything about it, but, but I also never watched it. How, Yeah. how do I know all this? And I I was writing, I took some notes about that last night about just how confusing I confused I was about it. It just seeps in. It seeps well, in. I mean, it was such a big part of our culture, whether we were watching it or not. Yeah. You know, we were growing up during this time when it was on. It was on for 10 years, you know. And so it was such a big part of our culture. And they were the the six of them were just they were superheroes, you know. Totally. And I think no matter if we watched it at the time or not, just culturally, it's it's seeped in so much. Absolutely. Yeah. Strongly yeah. agree. Um, so Heather, do you have the like synopsis or the log line handy to read to us for this episode? Yes, I do. I still have just the IMDb synopsis, which I know is controversial. But <laughs> no, that's great. <laughs> what I have written is the gang take Phoebe to the hospital after she goes into labor. Monica threatens to go on a date with a male nurse after Chandler claims they are just goofing around. Joey gets treated for kidney stones. Great. I feel like that's pretty on point for actually what the A, B, and C stories are. I have that the A plot is Phoebe giving birth. Mm-hmm. And then the B plot would be the the Monica and Chandler thing, which is this kind of thing of like, and it's, it's interesting because like we didn't have the same vocabulary for it then, but like in more of today's or maybe it's 10 years ago's vocabulary, like they haven't like defined the relationship, right? Like they have They're not been, Facebook official. They're not Facebook official. They're not, you know, they haven't had any sort of, uh, clearly haven't had any sort of conversation about like what this means. You know, they are still keeping their relationship a secret and they're kind of just hooking up is kind of, except for, you know, there was the bath scene in, in last week's episode or whatever, mm-hmm. but um but yeah, and so then they, and because they're a secret, they get into the situation where Rachel's like, oh, I'm, you know, she's trying to move on from Ross, which, which, okay, this is kind of a side tangent, but um, in the previous episode, she like tells Ross she's still in love with him. And then they end up having like a really nice moment around that, you know, he's still trying to get Emily back um, and everything's all good and they're just friends. Um, but I did notice that Rachel's like wearing the same outfit that she was in that scene which makes sense because like this goes right from the last episode because in the last episode they're like let's all go to Atlantic City and then like Phoebe's water breaks as they're about to leave and so this is happening like within hours of when she told Ross she was still in love with him and she's like well I'm I'm," you know Rachel's like well I'm trying to move on so she's like trying to score dates for her and Monica with these nurses she's like I'm moving on you're moving on with me and Monica doesn't have a good excuse as as to like how to get out of it basically yeah and that's also something that I noticed just because uh Ross and Rachel were costumed so similarly at first I was like Mm. oh this must be part of this show where they're actually together and getting along because they were wearing the exact same colors 
but then she was like, oh, I got a state. So I was like, oh, they're off, but it makes sense for them to like still be costumed that way if it was the mm. costume from the other scene. Yeah. That's so interesting. I didn't pinpoint that, but yeah, you're, you're totally right. And this is, yeah, the same costumes from the scene in the coffee shop where they just had that like really kind of like intense, but like ni- ultimately nice moment in their relationship. So yeah. yeah. So then, go ahead. That's, that's good. That you, that's good that you bring that up, Zoe, because I feel like I obviously having watched the previous episode, I knew that that conversation happened, but I, I guess I didn't think about the idea that like, Phoebe's water broke while Rachel and Ross are having this conversation about how they kind of both love each other, but they can't say that because Ross at least can't say that he's maybe still loves right, her. Right. Freaking married to Emily. And obviously she finds out that Phoebe's, you know, water broken is, is at the hospital. And so that is interesting that, I mean, I think that's classic. Like I'm going to cover up my feelings and be like, well, he doesn't love me. So I'm just going to go on dates with all the boys and, <laughs> right. you know, yeah. but it, it, it isn't written. It isn't written in like a, in like a desperate way. It's written in like a, I'm casually over Ross and I'm casually looking for new dates. So that's well, an interesting call out. And it's just an interesting clock too, because like, you know, these episodes, this was of course before streaming and before binging, these episodes came out week by week. And so if I hadn't just been, paying such close attention to the episodes I don't think I would have necessarily registered that we are minutes away from the previous episode Mm -hmm. you know and it kind of we we do kind of get a sense of it too if you watch the episodes together the end of the previous episode is like you know they're all together they're about to leave for Atlantic City Phoebe's water breaks they go to the hospital instead Monica and Chandler are the last two ones out the Mm -hmm. door and so they like stay behind and like quickly like have a quickie and then like the next scene the next episode is like they're the last ones to the hospital and they're like what took you guys so long your cab left the same time as us and they're like oh uh you know I had to go back because I forgot my jacket and then Rachel's like where's your jacket and she's like not again you know just (laughs) like they're still doing the whole like secret affair thing yeah yeah it's funny that you so I put for my breakdown of the A, B, and C plots, I wrote Phoebe giving birth was number one or A. And then I thought that Joey's kidney stones were the B plot because there was a lot of time dedicated to it. Mm. Whereas the Chandler Monica relationship felt more jokey. Right. And oh, interesting. That's really interesting to me. Although, although it is, they do resolve. I mean, obviously all the plots get resolved, but the I guess their relationship sort of ends the episode. Yeah, I mean, I kind of debated because they both felt like they could almost be like co-C plots or co-B plots in a way. But um, ultimately, I feel like the B story is introduced much sooner into the episode. It is introduced right away with that moment between Monica and Chandler. Right. And I think there's just more beats in that plot line in general. Whereas like what happens with Joey. And also I, I kind of thought Joey's thing was the C story because the C story is very oftentimes tied into the A story, which it definitely Uh, is here as well because there's like that whole juxtaposition of like the amazing contrast of like Phoebe's giving birth and Joey's trying to pass his kidney stone and there's a lot of great like humor and like references between those two um and even though there is a decent amount of time dedicated to it it's kind of just like a few it's probably like maybe three or four beats there's not a lot of overall like 
plot in Joey's you know C plot or runner it's just kind of like something that's happening whereas the B plot is much more like an overarching storyline there's more like emotional depth to it etc yeah I think I didn't really think of the fact that typically C plots are connected to A plots mm-hmm. um, but I think that's that is really interesting I agree <laughs> I mean they're all tied in of course but I think that like the C tends to kind of coincide with the A. Yeah, yeah. but you mentioned the juxtaposition of Joey going through passing his kidney stones and obviously Phoebe going through the miracle of childbirth was was really excellent. And I mean, I mean, it was just uh, it was funny just even having the doctor be like, do you want to do you want to see them to Joey and him like holding this little (laughs) vial of Oh, oh I've never God. seen a kidney stone. They look like little teeth to me, which was gross, but uh, oh, graphic. But it was, yeah, I was. Just, I was dying. He's like, they're so small. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's just like saying all the like things you would say about newborn children. Yeah, yeah, that was really fun and hilarious for sure. One of my favorite lines was just right at the beginning when they run into the hospital and Phoebe. I mean, I don't know if the nurse or the register person even says anything, but Phoebe's like, "There's babies coming out of me." <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, Phoebe was great in this episode. It was a very, I mean, it, it was and it wasn't a very Phoebe-centric episode, but everything she does and says is fantastic, and I love her. Yeah. Uh, didn't they also build that part into the show because um, Lisa Kudrow was actually pregnant at the time? Oh, yeah. I didn't know that, but that's amazing. Yeah, I didn't know. I don't know, like, when she actually gave birth in relation to when Phoebe gave birth, but I do know that they built that plot line Mm. because she was pregnant obviously they had to pad her because she wasn't like triplets pregnant right well and that's so funny because a few episodes ago she has that moment where she's like balancing a bowl of cereal on her pregnant stomach and eating it and that's just funny that she was like I just assumed that was for sure like a fake pregnant stomach and it probably was somewhat it probably wasn't all her but um but that's so cute that she actually was pregnant I love that that's great to me it makes it feel like uh so much more emotional especially the moment at the end with uh Mm. oh my gosh holding babies and I was I was while I was watching that I was kind of like are they gonna do like a joke to undercut or are they just gonna like keep it like very emotional yeah Uh, and I was so glad that they kept it emotional because I was like (laughs) Oh my God. I was yeah. like falling too. I mean, they did give her some little like one-liners in there um, as they kind of do with all the emotional moments of this show. There's still like jokes included, but they did end it. And like, yeah, I don't think they took away from like the poignancy and like the really, I guess the beauty of that moment. It was really nice. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, we've talked about in the past how they, the writers do such a good job of having these really emotional, poignant, romantic, whatever moments, and then ha- we'll build in jokes that are really funny and really real in the moment, you know, very human. And I, Kara, I agree. I was happy that, that she really was able to have like a seriously sensitive moment and they yeah. didn't yeah. just slap some goofy thing on top of it at the end there. And I think that that's one of the reasons why the show is so successful is they're really good about keeping the humanity, like you said, and like that emotional core to it without undercutting it. Because I think sometimes uh, with comedy and writing, you know, the more jokes, the better, but sometimes it's better to like kind of pull back and really have those really authentic moments that people just 
really gravitate towards because um, I could could have seen it gone either way and I would have liked both but mm-hmm. I, I was really happy with the way they ended it totally and this show is so jokey you know mm-hmm. so it yeah yeah so it's really nice that they really give space to that moment also well sure. and and so that moment at the end obviously really got me and then another moment got me emotional was when when Alice comes in because she hasn't been there for the whole time she's been delayed or whatever and she comes in and it's this really emotional moment when she says we have our babies and Frank Jr. says we have our babies and it's like I was getting I was tearing up and they hug and it's really sweet and then they start really grotesquely making out in the middle of the waiting room so amazing and it was so funny and it's it's gross because their their age is very drastic and so that makes everyone uncomfortable but then it's also just like any person making out like that in a public place would be really gross like that graphically yeah yeah and so it it that that was a great moment because I they got me you know I was like having emotions and then I was just like oh this is disgusting Totally. I loved it. And can we talk about all the amazing guests appearances in this episode? The last episode we did really didn't have a lot of guests. It was like pretty insular to the group. They had the one like hot guy that Rachel went on a date with that Mm -hmm. like appeared briefly. But this episode was like full of amazing guests. Yeah. I wrote the the guy that played Joey's doctor. My God, uh, I'm obsessed with him. Well, I remember him from watching Glee. Which, Kara, I don't know if you watched Glee with our roommate, Tim, but when we were in college, Tim forced me to watch Glee with him. So I did. <laughs> and he and this actor, Paltiva, played Principal Figgins on Glee. And so it was great to see him. I mean, he just that really classic dry humor. I think almost every line he had was just kidney stones. Kidney stones. Yeah, but he's so specific. He's so funny. Uh, Tim, Tim forced me to watch Glee. Also, for some reason, Grey's Anatomy. And now I've seen every episode of Grey's Anatomy, mm-hmm. and I still watch it to this day because of Tim. Yeah, no, I, I got such a kick out of seeing him. And it's funny because I meant to look it up and I forgot, and I was like, "Where do I know that guy from?" And for mm-hmm. some reason, I was thinking Scrubs. Yes, mm, uh, I could, I could see that. But I don't think he was yeah. on Scrubs. I don't think he was either. And it's Glee. You solved the. You solved it. Which is funny because I really have never seen Glee too much. I've seen maybe a couple episodes here and there. I'm aware of it, but um, yeah. And I was looking. I was kind of looking him up, and he has been in just like every movie ever. He's just well, like, yeah, that's the other thing. He's yeah. just been in everything and in tons of stuff. And I was like, to be honest, none of the none of his credits are like things that I've really seen that much. But he still is just like very familiar. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm sure I've seen him. And he was just so hysterical in this episode. I enjoyed him very, very much. And just like his whole all his scenes between him and Joey, yeah, he was he nailed it. And the other guest that I wrote down was Patrick Fabian, who played Nurse Dan. Mm-hmm. He's another one of those actors who's who's just in everything. Totally. And I feel like typically he just kind of plays like a douchebag. And, yes. and so it was funny to see him as this like, obviously it was, you know, 20 plus years ago, but to see him as this like hot, young, charismatic totally. nurse who served in the Gulf War and is trying to become a doctor, you know, and like to see him just be really lovely and romantic. And then now he's in shows where he's just playing a dick. Just a jerk. Yeah. 
Um, I also wrote down Sam Anderson, who was the doctor who's obsessed with the Fonz. Um, oh although, gosh. to be honest, he, again, I looked him up and he's been in tons of movies. And I was looking through his other titles and I was like, yeah, I don't remember you in any of these movies at all. Um, but of course, I do think his whole thing with the fact that he's obsessed with the Fonz, it's such a random, like, whole premise and like line of jokes it it really was funny like I it was funny I just imagine the writers in the writer's room proposing this idea I think what's great about his character and and how they wrote his jokes is that it is so his world revolves around the fonts and yeah. that is normal and so what's funny to everyone else, the friends and us as the, the viewers, is that that's not normal. And so for him to just casually be like, oh, yeah, it's the Fonz half birthday, blah, 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 whatever. And everyone's like, why are you? That's weird. <laughs> I mean, it's actually like a fish out of water type thing, because like that can go in any direction, like a fish out of water is just a scenario where like one person's normal is not the mm-hmm. normal for everyone else or it can be that one person's nor- that everyone you know it can go in in any direction whether it's a crazy scenario and you know like schmigadoon where like they're the only ones who from the normal world and everything else is crazy or it can be one person is like wild and the rest of the world is in quotes normal um but yeah so this was a really interesting like play on that kind of like fish out of water thing where yeah I mean he takes everything just very I wouldn't say overly seriously but he plays it straight I mean it's not weird to him that everything revolves around the fonts that is just his reality mm-hmm. and it's everyone else that is just like having to cope with this in their own way especially Phoebe and I loved you know Phoebe was stressed out about him liking the fonts and they were like well you know he doesn't think he's the fonts and then later on yeah you know sam anderson dr herod or whatever his name is was like oh well i'm not the fonz you know which is such a great throwback to this joke that he was privy to i love that you brought that up because these are actually two of my favorite jokes from the episode and one was phoebe's freaking out after the doctors left the room and she's like oh my god i don't want a doctor telling me you know that i'm dilated amundo or whatever and then ross is like well to be clear it doesn't seem like he believes he is the fonz and then like anyway and then he like reiterates it again and everyone's like oh my god shut up and then later he's like oh you know the doctor's back and he's like oh it's the fonzie's half birthday and phoebe's like happy birthday and he's like oh well to be clear it's not that i'm the fonzie and actually i think that's one is one of my favorite pieces of physical comedy from this episode is phoebe's reaction to that mm-hmm. i don't know if you guys clocked it but it was she just like react. It's it's a nonverbal reaction. I don't even know really the best way to describe what it is that she does with her face. It's hilarious because like at this point she's had this much younger doctor come in and she couldn't deal with him, and so she's realized that like this guy's her best option, and she's just trying to like get through it. So she just makes this face that she's just like, okay, you know, it's possible. yeah. I think what I realized watching this episode is Lisa Kudrow is very great at like wiggling her nose with Mm. very clear intention Mm, because she did it a couple times where she wasn't like gesticulating a lot. It was all in like 
just this weird nose wiggle that she did that was so specific. Totally. Well, because totally. she's laying down for the entirety of this episode. I mean, she's standing yeah. when they first come into the hospital, but then she's oh, laying so down for all of it. So pretty much all of her acting is like just her face. Well, and especially in a show with so much big comedic, like physical comedy right. to be so constricted. Like in this episode, you are lying in a bed. You know, I mean, she still had my favorite physical comedy moment of the episode, which, yeah, is really telling. I loved that. And then, of course, we already talked about Giovanni Rubisi and Deborah Joe Rupp as mm-hmm. um, the parents, and they are both so funny. And one of um, Giovanni's fav- one of my favorite lines of his is he's like, Well, Alice is on the way but um don't worry like she told me she told me all about the Lamazda all the Lamazda stuff and that was hilarious well and I so I wrote down that as the build to Chandler saying oh you get yeah you get two percent financing if they're if they're out by the end of the month right which is you know just the car joke so I I just that whole thing is so goofy I I love I love Frank Jr. in this episode because he's, he's so funny. He's so twitchy. I mean, it just at one point he's like walking. He walks like three steps from the phone to one of the friends. And like the way he walks is so just strange, but so in character. And then every time a baby is born, he he like flies out of the room into the waiting room he's like jumping in this crazy physical wiggly way which is it's so true to him and so bizarre his physicality is hilarious it's just so like kind of like loose and weird and I wrote down that was one of my favorite jokes too and he's like I have a baby you know whatever comes out to announce the birth of the first kid and Rachel's like oh my god how does how does he look how does he look and he's like so gross yeah and just like runs back yeah. in what a great guests on this episode well and we were so we were talking about you mentioned the um the the Fonzie doctor and Phoebe I just thought Phoebe yelling at Ross and like deciding that Ross needs to find her a new doctor and he brings in this child who's (laughs) who's like a resident you know but is still this like young boy and she she tells the the doctor to get out and she goes go little boy go (laughs) yeah (laughs) but it's all because she gets into the hospital and a, a nurse or someone I can't remember who delivers the news that her doctor that was you know her OBGYN who was supposed to deliver her babies couldn't be there because she fell in the shower and I know Zoe you were talking about this before we started recording but just that that hilarious line of her saying oh my god she's so stupid so hilarious <laughs> oh my god I loved that so much just like oh my and that's just the classic bait and switch because you think she's gonna be like oh my god I hope she's okay and she's just like oh my god she's so stupid like what's wrong with my doctor oh I was gonna say I think one of my favorite pieces of writing and I've mentioned before how like again this show is just so tightly written and pretty much every scene ends on like a really nice button but one of my favorites was when it's just Phoebe and Rachel and you know, they're kind of talking about, oh, the babies are coming, whatever. And then Phoebe's like, can I tell you a secret? And Rachel's like, yeah, of course. And Phoebe's like, I want to keep one of them. And then Rachel's just like, oh my God, I'm going to be on TV. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, she's like, oh my God, I'm going to be on the news. Yeah. I I wrote down that 
I want, I want to keep one. Uh, just yeah. Phoebe's delivery on that was so, I, I, I feel like yeah. we were talking about in the last episode that there wasn't enough Phoebe. Mm-hmm. And I think this episode really makes up for it because in addition to it being mostly surrounded around her, she has so many good moments. She's really driving the storyline. I mean, of course she is giving birth, but it's just so much of the storyline is coming from her, whether it's trying to get Ross to get her a new doctor or just uh, her charging Rachel to ask Frank Jr. and Alice to keep one of the kids. (laughs) Yes. And I mean, she also just has so many great jokes. Like she Mm -hmm. just gets so many great lines and, you know, written or unwritten just has so many punchlines and one-liners and like hilarious jokes in this episode. It's a great Phoebe episode and I love Phoebe. Yeah. Another thing I wrote down was um, when Rachel is talking to Frank Jr. because Phoebe Mm -hmm. has asked her to, to keep one of the babies and Rachel's like, wow, three babies. That's a lot. And Frank Jr. says not to me. And then he, he makes this like weird noise giggle. He's like, not to me, (laughs) you know, or something weird. And it's, it's so weird. And it's one of those moments where I'm like, how much was that written or did the actor bring it? Because he has so clear, like his character, this, Frank Jr., that character is solely, clearly defined, and there's so little that he has to work with. Totally. But just, just that line, just that giggle and that response, I mean, it it makes Rachel go like, okay, yeah, problem solved. Well, you know, fair enough. Fair yeah. enough. <laughs> <laughs> totally. I think um, Frank Jr., I mean, it is, it's a cliche, but it's kind of that classic thing of like no small parts, because like, it's not like he does not have a huge part in this show overall, but he really, he really does the shit out of it. You know, he yeah. really has like a crazy, really weird and hilarious character um, for even the few lines that he does have, which is really cool. Well, and I, what I love about, cause with multi-camp sitcom, like the writing has to be so tight and totally. it, it's almost, you know, and it's, it's, it's very formulaic for that genre to work at all. Having actors that can like make such strong choices and really stay in genre, stay in character, but also not upset the flow of or the rhythm of the way it's written. And also seeing from what I've, I've seen from just like auditioning for um, multicam sitcoms is they usually don't write in a lot of handles or laughter or stuff like that unless it's very very specific mm. so when you can find those people that can really make huge deals out of these little things or like really punch something across is all just from like really strong choice uh really strong choice making which i love i love that and i would love to see like the tape of his audition for this show you know oh, what yeah. i mean he's just so funny in it and it is such a strong choice i can almost just imagine him he's like well i've been on a thousand auditions this year let me just do something super weird our comedy writing teacher is always like well if you can't be funny just be weird (laughs) or whatever i have an acting coach who's always pushing us to like make the strongest choice you can possibly do because he yeah you'd rather like hit it 
out of the ballpark and into a different stadium <laughs> than not hit it at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and all those right. opportunities. And I think um, anytime you can go into an audition and surprise a writer by making something that they do funnier or adding something that doesn't detract from the writing, but adds to it is really yeah. what it takes to kind of get a job in a lot of uh, comedy. I love that. Um, yeah, totally. Right. Because it, everyone is a good actor, right? Everyone in, in LA and New York, you know, everyone's a really good actor, but what sets you apart, especially if Giovanni Ricci knew who he was playing, right? That he's playing mm-hmm. Phoebe's brother. Right. Phoebe is already the, the, the wackiest. Quote, quote, kooky one, you right. know? She's the weird one. And knowing her history, I'm sure he did his homework and was like, you want kooky? Here you go. Let's go. I love it. Well, and I mean, to me, like, we've kind of talked about this on the podcast, but like, sitcoms are, especially, again, multicam sitcoms. I mean, it's a clown show, right? Like, it is straight up physical comedy. It is a lot of really traditional kind of classic comedy style. And I mean... I remember being like, you know, in my stoner days, I was watching some sitcom. I think it was actually that 70s show. And I just realized that like sitcoms are basically live action cartoons. Like everything is that exaggerated. You know Mm. what I mean? And so to bring in that energy or to just have the opportunity to like really go crazy with it. I just love it. I've been in actually a ton of acting classes who have explained to new actors that multi-cam sitcom is exactly what you said. It's, it's like a live action cartoon. So yeah. when the road runner goes off the cliff, it, he doesn't just run off the cliff and fall. He runs off the cliff, doesn't realize it, looks to camera, it does a meet meep and then fall. And it's, you get every single one of those steps, which brings the comedy, not just the. Yeah, exactly. It's not, it's not funny to just see a bird run off a cliff, but <laughs> to see all the steps, you're like, Oh, this is a story now. Well, and that's what we learned in clown school too. Yeah. Is like basically human cartoon is like the acting style and just like really exaggerating everything. And then exaggerating also that like, audience connection like with cartoons whatever happens happens and then they like look to the audience to give that look of like oh shit I'm about to fall and then you know what I mean so it's just um yeah and Frank definitely like exemplifies that cartoony (laughs) energy which is really fun any other really favorite like jokes or moments from the episode Uh, I really loved the um fact that they named the girl Chandler anyway I loved that bit I thought it was so sweet sweet and so cute but also just like a a new way to um make fun of Chandler (laughs) totally yeah it was I really liked it too and I liked the way it played out at the very end because you know at the end Chandler's like so what are they gonna name baby Chandler now that they know that it's a girl and baby was like oh well Chandler and he was like don't you think it's a little too masculine (laughs) it's just like a moment of silence and then Phoebe's like well, it works for you, but the way she says it is so like, it's, it, it feels like kind of loving and sweet and kind somehow, even though it's also like kind of rude, you know what I mean? But Such a dig. Yeah. Yeah. That was a really fun, that whole joke was really fun too. And it's funny too, because earlier in the episode, I mean, we're really given the contrast of like Chandler and then there's this like male nurse who's like a veteran like clearly like very masculine compared to Chandler you know and that's who he kind of feels like is his competition but like 
yeah, it's just a really funny like contrast to see that. But of course we love Chandler and he's right. like, he's our guy too. Just say no to toxic masculinity. It's okay to be a Chandler. It's okay to be a Chandler. <laughs> Chandler gets the girl in the end. So totally. Could Chandler's I be the best. any more sensitive? <laughs> <laughs> um, but it is a really nice, I mean, honestly, the three like men on this show do really paint like I mean, I want to tread lightly because there's still all three straight white guys. So it's not exactly like a paradise of like diversity and inclusion or anything (laughs) like that. So I'm definitely not trying to say that it is. But for the fact that they are three straight white guys, I think they did do a pretty good job of making them, you know, complex, nuanced and not just like totally the same and stereotypical. I did write down a cringe moment. Oh, yeah, please. And that was at the very end, they're like wrapping everything up. All the friends are in Phoebe's room and Monica is sitting on Ross's lap. What? I know. And aren't they brother and sister? Yeah, for sure. And I just wrote Monica sitting on Ross's lap, dot, dot, dot. Weird. (laughs) Like. Yeah. I have an adult brother. I wouldn't do that. Kara, you have an adult brother. I can't nope. imagine you sitting on his no. lap in like both. a casual hanging both out my, way. Both my brothers are so thin. I would probably like break <laughs> their tiny bodies in half if I attempted to sit on them. I love you both very much. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, I think it's been a that that is a criticism of the show as a whole is that like Ross and Monica's relationship is a little too close (laughs) right? for, for being siblings. And I mean, it is what it is. I mean, don't they have a plot in friends where uh, Ross is trying to remember his first kiss with Rachel and it turns out that it was Monica the whole time. Yeah. I didn't like it's so like this is what I mean when I say I haven't like sit down, sat down and watched the show, but for some reason I know these things. That's very cringe. I did have a a cringe moment myself, which was just um because Joey originally is trying to um videotape everything. Yes. And, and right at the beginning of the episode, he's like, We gotta take a before and after picture. Oh my god. And so they yes. take a before and then all of a sudden Phoebe goes, Joey, what are you doing? And he was underneath her dress being like I was taking a before picture I was wondering if anyone uh, was gonna mention that yeah and I was like mm, because and he, I think because Joey is like so like lovable and like just dumb that he gets away with that kind of stuff yeah, you don't like totally. hate him for it because he's not like going out of his way to be a creep but like how many times I think we as women like kind of let something slide or like kind of get pushed in the position of not saying something because someone's like oh a nice guy and he didn't mean it and instead Mm. of correcting that kind of like aggressive or abusive behavior and that's kind of how I felt with that hey well and what's also Carrie bring up such a great point just about like it is so they they so casually pass over that moment they're like oh Joey he's just filming my vagina you know silly Joey whatever and I think when we think about that also you know, he's using a video camera. It's not like he can just delete that image really easily off of his phone. Like we could nowadays. He like that, that's like on the tape. Yeah. That's not really easily editable. And so that's going to be on the tape of of Phoebe's birth. (laughs) I mean, it seemed like he didn't get too far past the ankles, but yeah, it was definitely interesting because it was like presented in a way that was 
obviously intended to be funny and that's like the button on the cold open but and it 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 was interesting to me that it barely even registered as a cringe moment because I was like oh because the energy around it and how they present it is just totally as a joke Joey's obviously a trusted friend you know Phoebe trusts you know every everyone is comfortable with it but it is so true like also don't go under a woman's skirt without consent period (laughs) I don't care like how close of a friend she is you know what I mean um yeah 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 so who do you think you would be who did you resonate with in this episode Kara let's start with you oh that's hard um I mean, I feel like in this episode, it just feels so weird to answer this question because everyone's kind of in such a weird, different place just in their lives in general. Mm-hmm. I think I've spent a lot of my time kind of being the Rachel of the situation, kind of like just kind of being there and problem solving, but also like trying to avoid my own stuff by being like, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, uh, to solve this by um, pretending it's, it doesn't uh, matter and it's not real by... Uh, mm-hmm. Not necessarily always with men, but I've yeah. certainly had some moments of my history where that's happened. But just kind of that, like, oh, I, I don't, I can't deal with something right now, so I'm gonna, I'm just gonna put a bandaid over it and just mm. uh, pretend like it doesn't matter. Put a bunch of energy towards something else. Exactly. Yeah. Like I'm gonna instead of worrying about my feelings, I'm gonna do something that would make me feel good, which is a hot nurse. right well it's interesting because like Rachel and Ross actually they don't really have a ton of like their own like motors in this particular episode you know what I mean like they are kind of along for the ride although Rachel does have like her kind of one thing that she takes on on her own is like the whole thing with the nurses so yeah but again especially as we talked about from earlier this is like you know, within an hour or maybe two of when she just like spilled her guts to Ross and she's like, anyway, cute nurses. Let's go with that. Yeah, Yeah. I get it. Totally get it. How about you, Heather? I resonated with Ross and that was just trying to, to solve triage problems. And so trying to solve the doctor problem and being Mm -hmm. like, Hey, I found this really great doctor. Oh, he's a child. Okay, never mind. You know, yeah. and then ultimately at the end, he's like Joey's Lamaze coach <laughs> through his passing of his yes. kidney stones. And so that's who I resonated with trying to solve these problems, but maybe not really solving them well. I love that. And like, again, <laughs> the whole scene with like Joey and Ross when he's passing the kidney stones is just so good. It's just so funny. And some really great physical comedy there too. Um, it's funny because I also resonated with Ross in this episode, but not necessarily in that way, but just in the way of Ross, the scene where Ross is like clarifying and over-explaining the joke. <laughs> He's like, again, it's not that he, and she's like, oh my God, shut up. I mean, I just feel that I am a great joke ruiner (laughs) and like I am very much the one to over explain things or just to be like no I don't think you quite got it though like (laughs) you're not 
understanding the joke on the level that I'm getting it. And I mean, it's also kind of become a running joke between my partner and I that like I've sort of ruined TV because I've been like, you know, learning more about like TV writing this year. And so I've like shared a lot of that. And so now when we watch comedies, I mean, it's just he'll just straight up be like, oh, that was a three beat or like, oh, that button was kind of weak or whatever, you know. And so it's just that idea that like, sorry, I ruined TV for us. My bad. <laughs> just over explained it to death. Oh no, I do the same thing uh, with the guy I'm seeing. Uh, I will watch something and I just understand the formula so well mm -hmm. of structure and writing that I can usually guess what the next like three lines are going to be. And we'll we'll be watching something totally new and I'll know all the words and he's like, stop. And I'm like, (laughs) I'm sorry, but it's bad. Yeah. Or you're just a bad movie. You're just like, oh, they're setting it up so that this is going to happen. And then it does. And they're like, thanks a lot. I was watching that. (laughs) Okay. Well, I think that's the episode. Shall we move on to the food portion? Let's move on to the food. So this week's recipe is a three bean salad. This was actually the second idea that I had. I originally, you know, I was really into, of course, the whole kidney stones thing. And this episode is pretty light on food references. um, But um, Rachel also you know, says, oh, maybe they'll go to the cafeteria with the nurses and eat some jello. So one of my first ideas was actually to do something that involved jello. And so I ended up um, making a recipe for like jello cookies, like jello sugar cookies. Um, and I wanted to work in kidney beans or kidney stones or whatever. So I got like a cookie cutter in the shape of a bean and I made these cookies and they were really cute. And, um, I don't know if it's just that I just don't really like jello, like the flavor of jello. I just wasn't a big fan of them. So I was like, you know what? I don't really want this to be like the featured recipe for the episode. So the, yes, the other idea I had had was for a three bean salad, because I was thinking like kidney stones, kidney beans, and then I riffed off of that. And then um, once Heather and I were kind of talking through it, I had the realization also um, BB has triplets. So that's kind of fun to be like a three bean oh salad. My gosh. And then it's also the third episode of our podcast and of the season. Um, so that is all the reasons. Although I will say I, when I was just rewatching the episode, I saw that there is actually another food reference that I totally missed the first time. And it's where Joey is like, just making Mm -hmm. everything as sexual innuendo. And he, and Rachel's like, how can you make something like that sound so, so dirty? And he's like, Oh, I can do it with everything with anything. See, grandma's chicken salad and I was like oh I guess I could have made a chicken salad (laughs) didn't even think of that it's so funny you say that Zoe because I had that exact same thought the moment that that happened I was like oh yeah chicken salad chicken salad I didn't didn't make note of that the first watch through at all yeah same ultimately I think the stars aligned and the three the triplet you once called it the triplets salad and I think triplet salad and I think that that is really is really excellent obviously tying in the the kidney beans um before zoe before you give us a little rundown of the recipe kara what is your like how comfortable are you in the kitchen do you cook a lot do you not cook a lot where do you land in there uh i love cooking um i cook a lot i cook for almost every meal um at this point uh 
to the point like and I I'm also someone you know especially you know being employed during the pandemic and trying to be careful with money I I have a lot of guilt for some reason associated with like ordering takeout mm-hmm. um just like the financial responsibility to the point like where I just had this conversation with my therapist where she was like I was sick with covid she was like Kara you're allowed to order takeout as much as you want because I I wasn't eating Oh yeah. Uh, so I have like kind of this weirdest. So I usually cook for every meal, but I'm also like a person of a creature of habit. So yeah, I have nights where I really like go for it. And I spend all this time kind of um, like researching, like figuring out what I want, finding perfect recipes. Like last Thanksgiving, I cooked um, an entire Thanksgiving nice. dinner for just me and my brother completely by myself. So I oh, did yeah. the full Turkey. I did all the side dishes. I, you know, I had, vegetables and potatoes and mac and cheese and everything. And I love doing that. Um, but also from day to day, I kind of just get stuck in the, I'll I'll get like obsessed with one thing that I really want to eat and I'll eat it every day for two months until I get bored of it. And then I'll just never want to make it again. So Mm -hmm. I tend to feel pretty confident. I'm in the kitchen. I'm much more confident, like baking, like I I can make French macarons from scratch, Damn. but I'm like, I don't, really care for them <laughs> so i never make them anymore oh, so like funny. we're we're coming over oh yeah come down to la send me a box <laughs> yeah, yeah oh, i for sure would that's so um, funny because like my thing with baking is like i i like baking but i have a huge sweet tooth so i actually don't bake too much because like if there's baked goods in the house i'll just eat them all and like my partner doesn't really have m- that much of a sweet tooth so there's like no help when I used to work at a bar I could just like bring food in and it would get exactly but now I'm like it's just me versus this chocolate cake or whatever and that's generally not the best like recipe for success yeah well and my you know my gentleman friend uh was over the other day and he was like I really want cookies let's go buy cookies and I was like why would we buy them oh my god when I could make yeah totally it's it's so easy and he was like what do you mean I'm like there's like six ingredients in cookies right I feel yeah I feel and and then he was like this is the best cookie I've ever had or maybe I'm just overselling myself who knows what he actually said but uh (laughs) but I I feel very confident in the in the kitchen awesome I love that Zoe why don't you explain the recipe so this week's recipe is a triplet salad or a three bean salad or a kidney stone salad, <laughs> however you want to look at it. Um, it's kind of my take on a sort of, tra- I feel like a three bean salad is a pretty traditional kind of American like dish. It's, I think of it as like, a you know, a side dish for a barbecue or that kind of thing. Um, I don't know that I've really made it a ton before and I didn't really do much research because I kind of just wanted to go my own way with it. Um, So yeah, I decided to do, um, so the three beans are green beans, chickpeas, and of course, kidney beans. And then for the green beans, I just did them kind of like a light saute or a quick char in a pan just so that they are crisp tender. And then you just kind of mix the three beans with some celery for some nice crunch. I think celery gives that really great kind of classic sort of salad crunch, like the crunch of a tuna salad or a chicken salad or any of those kind of like classic grandma's American salad. Yeah, like grandma's chicken salad. You gotta have the celery in there. Um, I feel like celery is something I like kind oh, of forget yeah. about, but every time I use it in a salad preparation, like the crunch and the flavor are just nice. So 
yeah, pretty basic, just a few spices. And I just go ahead and throw the dressing ingredients right in the bowl instead of like taking the time to make, uh, you know, a, you know, make it mix a dressing together and then dress it. I just dress it in the bowl and add some scallions and fresh herbs. I guess to both of you, what were your sort of first impressions or first thoughts upon seeing this week's uh, recipe? So my first impression before I made the recipe, I was like, ew, gross. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. I don't like green beans. I've never liked like green bean casserole or anything like that. I'm not a fan of celery. Uh, I like chickpeas. I, I feel like I eat a lot of chickpeas, but, um, I, I like, I've just never had a taste for green beans. So I, my initial, and, but I eat everything. I'll try anything. So I was like, interesting. I'm not going to like this. And I went into this <laughs> thinking like, I'm going to hate this recipe. Perfect. So that was my first impression, which I hope doesn't sound mean because it's not no, supposed to sound No, mean. not at all. Okay. I love your honesty and it's interesting. And maybe we can get into this, but I'm curious because actually I was having a similar conversation, not about this recipe, but just with a friend recently. And they were like, oh, I haven't been able to find asparagus recently in the store. It's too expensive or whatever. And I was like, oh, well, why don't you try green beans instead? Because to me, I kind of use those vegetables somewhat interchangeably. They're in the sort of like tender, like crisp, tender green vegetables category. You know, I think broccoli can also be in that category for me too. Um, And they were like, oh, I don't really eat green beans. And I think, and I don't know if this is the case for you, Kara, I'm curious if it is or not, but I think that a lot of people have kind of like baggage against green beans because of like canned green beans or just other like very overcooked preparations of green beans like you mentioned green bean casserole that's I don't think I've even ever had that you know what I mean in my mind green beans are more similar to asparagus versus something that's like mushy or in a casserole or something like that so I'm curious if that resonates for you at all. Oh, a hundred percent does. Um, cause it was something that I was doing a lot of thinking about yesterday when I made the recipe of like, why, why do I think I don't like green beans? And I think it's because I have that green bean casserole Thanksgiving kind of, you know, and it, it's always like, you know, the green bean dish that someone cooked the day before and then reheated and then brought. Right. But we've all been at the party for like three hours by the time we actually <laughs> eat Thanksgiving food. Totally. Um, that kind of thing. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I've just, I've, I don't, I think that that's kind of the association that I brought in with green beans. Cause I don't, I can't remember a single time I've ever bought them myself or I've ever ordered them at a restaurant. It's just Thanksgiving. That's so interesting to me. Cause to me, they're one of my like go-to vegetables that are like in normal rotation. Um, and again, I think that like maybe a lot of us grew up with very overcooked vegetables, you know, mm-hmm. it's kind of like this whole crisp tender thing is like kind of a newer generational thing, I think. And like, I feel like asparagus is maybe a little bit more of like a sexy vegetable that is like more on restaurant menus or something like that. Like you might've had that in a preparation that was like fun and delicious more so than like a green bean um but yeah so that's very interesting heather what are your thoughts on the recipe and or on green beans well i will piggyback on what you're talking about about green beans now in my life i eat green beans fairly regularly i i don't like think to buy them but if i see them i'm like oh yeah i'll I'll grab some green beans whatever um and cook them as like a side dish pretty regularly but in high school 
we we were doing some construction on our house and we like my parents redid our kitchen. We had this makeshift kitchen in our garage and it had like a microwave and a hot plate. I think my dad went to Costco and bought a flat of canned green beans and was like, here's oh, vegetables, you know, God, because we didn't really have the, the, the whole kitchen to prepare things. I mean, we had a refrigerator. We could have made a salad, but yeah, yeah. it is what it is. And so I, I mean, a very specific sense memory I have of that time is canned green beans. It's not, it's not a good one, Yeah. <laughs> but, but I think I, I guess I got, I, I think I disassociated fresh green beans and canned green beans. Like they are very, they're two separate, very separate things in my mind. So for this, my first impression of this recipe was I was really excited because in addition to us being Costco, a Costco family that bought whole 24 packs of canned green beans, we would buy those huge, like, I don't know, 64 ounce glass jars of three bean salad. And we would have oh. that pretty regularly. And it was fine. I mean, it was pretty mediocre. I mean, mm-hmm. I think it was stored in like a vinegar based syrup sauce, whatever, but it, you know, had spices and stuff. And so I was excited about this recipe one, because it's something I like to eat compared to the last two episodes where I don't <laughs> yes. typically eat those foods. But I was also excited because it's something that I think of as very, I mean, it's a canned food in my mind and mm. and sort of elevating it to this fresh fresh thing. And I, I think the thing about it, it's very easy to make, but it's also sort of customizable. Like you have spices that you suggest, which is garlic and smoked paprika. And then you basically are like, put in whatever herbs you want. And I think Mm -hmm. that's really exciting because it can be whatever herbs you happen to have on hand, or you suggested, I think cilantro or parsley. Uh, so that's what I bought. But then as I was, I had it over the last couple of days and I was thinking, oh, I bet like dill would be really good and it would bring out the brightness. Mm -hmm. Whereas like the cilantro kind of matches with the smoked paprika and brings out some of that like smoky and uh, sort of the the spices aspect of it. And so I think what's really fun about this recipe is you customize it to whatever you either have on hand or your preferred spices. Totally. Yeah, I love that idea. Um, And I think any of those tender herbs really in any combination would be great here for sure. Yeah. Well, and as as you were saying, the the recipe just has basically you just put everything in a bowl. Right. And I think a lot of salads, they have you make the dressing Mm -hmm. in a different bowl and then drizzle it over. And so I kind of had this moment where I was like, Ooh, I'm not, I'm, I'm not mixing it in a separate bowl. Will it be okay? And it was fine. And it was still nice to not have to clean another bowl. (laughs) Oh my God. And I'm all about like, if you can use one fewer bowl, like do it. Oh yeah. I've got these big mixing bowls that have lids. So when I made mine, I put it in the bowl that is now in my fridge. Perfect. That's yeah, right. the same. And it, besides that. that, it just took like a cutting board and um, a pan, I think, really. Well, I, I use a colander too, but. Right. Zoe, I, I have to ask you about this. So in the recipe, you state there's 
olive oil at the beginning for cooking of the green beans. Yes. And then you state olive oil again for dressing. And I'm curious about your like thoughts and feelings about should those be different olive oils or what's tell me about your yes. of olive oil. Thank you for asking this question. I was, um, when I wrote the recipe, I was like, okay, this is confusing to like kind of list olive oil in two different places. And I, as I've kind of discussed on the podcast previously, sometimes I don't want to give like too much like detailed information because I feel like that can kind of be overwhelming. Like basically I want people to feel like whatever it is that they have on hand is going to be great. That being said, what I personally did and what I, what I usually do is I have like a lighter olive oil or even, even even not necessarily as like an in quotes, like light olive oil, but even just like a more inexpensive olive oil that I will keep like next to the stove for cooking. And then I keep in a slightly nicer extra virgin olive oil that I use exclusively for things like salad dressing or like to dip bread into or drizzling on top of things like any preparation where I'm not going to be cooking it and and a preparation where I'm going to really be like getting that nice flavor. So I wasn't sure if I should specify because like for the sauteing part, you could also use like just any other neutral oil, like a vegetable oil or something like that. I usually use like a light olive oil for um for that type of cooking but I wasn't sure what was the best like wording to communicate that without also making it seem like you need to go buy two different olive oils for this dish because like if you just have one you can totally use it for both and that's completely fine too yeah when when purchasing an olive oil like you were talking about like a little bit of a nicer one that you would use for dressings or that isn't that's like the flavors coming out a little bit more or being more highlighted yeah what like I was in Whole Foods looking at olive oils and mm-hmm. I was, I mean, they have really expensive ones and they have really right. cheap ones. It it feels pretty overwhelming if you don't know what you're looking for. And I'm curious, Zoe, when you are looking for an olive oil, a, a nicer one that you're mm-hmm. wanting to use for salads or for dipping, what do you usually look for or what calls out to you that signifies it's a nicer one? Yeah. So I actually never really paid too much attention up until a few years back. I was just kind of like, well, olive oil is olive oil. I know I could spend a ton of money on it if I wanted to, but I don't, <laughs> you know. Um, but then at one point I won like an Instagram contest that included like a nice bottle of olive oil. And after tasting that, I was like, okay, I get it. I get like the draw of like a really nice olive oil. And so from then I was like, well, you know, I want to keep, you know, continue on this tasty olive oil train, but um, I also don't want to be spending a ton of money on olive oil. So um, I'm, and by no means an olive oil expert, my general like rule of thumb is to just kind of, if you're like sort of starting your like olive oil journey and wanting to like branch out into a slightly nicer olive oil for like for salad dressings and just for other kind of like usages where you're going to be really tasting the flavor. um, My advice is to kind of start with start at the price point that you usually go for. Like if you usually spend like 10 bucks on a bottle of olive oil, just look at what is in like the $15 a bottle category. Like just try something that's like slightly nicer and then just try that and see how that tastes. And you can keep experimenting from there. My actually, like my favorite go-to olive oil is actually one that's like a Kroger brand olive oil. It's one of their, um, I think it's called like hemisphere or something like that. It's kind of their like schmancier like label or whatever. Um, but yeah, it's like a house Kroger brand. It's actually an unfiltered olive oil. It's like really bright green. Um, so yeah, it's 
unfiltered so it has a little bit of like um, some solids that you can see that collect in the bottom of the bottle but it's usually somewhere between like 13 and 15 bucks for like a wine bottle size which is like actually still a really good price although I think they might have stopped carrying it which I'm really sad about but yeah I just I had been experimenting with different olive oils that were like a little bit more than what I normally spend and I found one that was like in a price point that I was comfortable with that is super delicious and I really enjoy the taste of so that's my advice and then for the um cooking oil I usually just grab whatever's kind of inexpensive sometimes I will go for like you know they have ones that are labeled like light tasting or light olive oil or something like that or it might just be labeled olive oil not extra virgin Um, but sometimes I'll buy an inexpensive bottle of extra virgin too and just use that to cook I mean they say you shouldn't really use olive oil at like super high temps and I wouldn't use olive oil of any kind to like deep fry something or something like that because it also just seems like it would be such a waste Mm -hmm. Um, that's something that is you know just regular vegetable oil is fine for that but yeah that's that's fascinating Kara did you do you have olive oil opinions or thoughts in my hometown Santa Cruz there is a store called the I think it's called the olive oil connection I don't even know if it's still Ooh. there or not mm-hmm. and I've always loved it and it's always been so good um and I remember in the past like I've bought some of that stuff but it's never something that I've done consistently but also like I think uh what this whole thing reminded me of is uh you, you know, when, when I was working in the restaurant industry, I would need to have those nights off to like really kind of take care of myself and treat myself right and like sit with myself and I'd cook dinner and it was like kind of like a luxurious experience. And I think sometime within the past couple of years, or especially with, you know, the last year and a half during the pandemic and with quarantine, it's, it's not something that I have continued to do because I've just spent all of my time alone. So I haven't really had that time to like check in or actually like look up recipes or try new things um, and something like doing this with the salad and actually going to the grocery store with intention and not buying what I buy every week mm-hmm. uh, reminded myself that like I really like doing that kind of stuff and um, having this conversation with olive oil. I'm like, man, I should invest in some good olive oil Uh because that sounds really lovely to like to buy like a nice loaf of artisan bread and have a fancy olive oil dipping party or you know oh hell yeah especially since like you know I haven't really gone out to a lot of restaurants even since things in LA have started opening back up so I've really been missing that experience of like really treating yourself myself right for I think a while now without I didn't realize it until last night when I was making this recipe it's kind of like an accessible little luxury item Kara, what I know you don't like green beans, but what were your thoughts on I hate them on the salad itself? <laughs> I I loved it. I don't oh, hate yay. green beans. Oh know? yay! Not to bury the lead there, uh, <laughs> but um, I think I think you know that's kind of like a realization I had when I was cooking too. Is like. One, I feel like I got really emotional, probably something I should write down and unpack with my therapist later, but uh, just like having that time to like really take care of myself, trying a new thing that I like, I would have never made this recipe. I would have never chosen to make it on any occasion. Mm -hmm. Um, And then also this part where you put, you can choose your own herbs. Like I'm not a huge fan of parsley, but I love cilantro and I love basil. So I put both of those in. Hell yeah. Um, And I... I think I just kind of get used to, like, I pick up, you know, certain like play, flavor profiles or combinations from recipes here and there that kind of inform most of the cooking I do now. And I kind of, you know, usually kind of go back to the same three or four spices that I use every single time. Um, 
until I get sick of them and then I'll kind of move on to something else. But I think that this kind of pushed me uh, to break my normal routine. And all of a sudden I was like, right, cooking like this is so easy. I should be like doing this more often. Uh, cause I loved the salad. Um, I, you know, made myself a small bowl while I sat down and I watched the episode and it wasn't it. long before I was just eating it straight out of the takeout, <laughs> out, out of the giant mixing bowl. Yeah. Um, and it's definitely something that like, I would for sure make again. Um, it's so simple. I love that. Uh, and it's fresh and it's light. It's kind of like this perfect, um, like I, I will eat more after, after we're done <laughs> recording this. Um, but I was also like, I think just really grateful and thankful for like, honestly, the opportunity to be able to do this. Um, not even to just like sit and talk with you guys and like have the moment while we're filming this, but also I feel like you guys kind of gave me this gift of being able to sit there and like really check in with myself and take care of myself and have like a really nice night. I mean, you know, I opened a bottle of wine and I had a glass of wine while I did all this. So it was just like, just one of those, I think moments that I didn't realize I kind of really miss having mm-hmm. with myself. I think just, I got so used to being alone that, you know, you, when you're working, you know, six days a week at a restaurant and you only have that one night off to take care of yourself, you kind of get forced into doing it Yeah. when you're sitting here with like all this existential dread, wondering if the world's going to fall apart or if you're going to run out of money or if the grocery yeah. stores are going to have bare shelves again. I, I haven't been pushed to really take care of myself on a day-to-day level. Like obviously like the bigger things, like I have to, you know, work out. Otherwise I get super anxious or I, you know, I have a therapist I talk to once a week, but the little self-care maintenance things that I did to spend time alone, I haven't been doing because I've been spending all my time alone. So I haven't felt the need to actually try to take care of myself in those moments. Totally. Uh, so also thank you. It, it felt like such a gift last night when I was doing this and I was like, I, I like this. <laughs> oh, Kara. Well, thank you so much <laughs> you know? for like sharing that. Honestly, that's really warms my heart so, so much. And I mean, cooking is a huge part of my life and like being in the kitchen, it is just like, feels like my safe space. <laughs> and like, yeah, it is that time for yourself to just kind of like, you know, I, that's when I listen to a lot of podcasts too, but, but yeah, just like whatever it is, you know, taking that time for yourself to really thoughtfully prepare something for yourself. And yeah, anyways, um, I'm so glad that you had that experience. And I love that we kind of pushed you out of your comfort zone and that you ended up liking the result (laughs) too. And especially that I could like change your mind about an ingredient. Um, All of those things are like really heartwarming to me because a lot of those kind of, I love that. (laughs) A lot of those things. (laughs) You're such a beanie baby. Um, A lot of what you said really touches on like my motivations around like why I like to talk about food and write recipes and like I mean yeah just kind of like share because my whole thing in the kitchen is like I want food to be easy and fun and feel good and not feel like intimidating or overwhelming and to just get more people to kind of take that time take that time and take care of themselves in that way so it really warms my heart. To yeah, hear and it's interesting. You said that cooking is kind of your safe space. And um, that was really an experience that my mom had. Mm. My mom passed away about six and a half years ago. Um, and I was really close with her. And she she was um, a computer engineer in the 80s and 90s. And she was getting a master's in nuclear engineering at night school while raising oh, two wow. children. And time she was a really brilliant woman. And on the weekends, she would basically kick everyone out of the kitchen and her safe space would be cooking every single meal for the rest of the week so we didn't have to eat out and spend too much money, um, oh, wow. which is also one of the biggest reasons she never 
did eventually like start teaching me how to cook, but um, she never really taught me how to cook when I was a kid because she was like, get the kids out of the kitchen. And it was her way to not only spend time alone and have that safe space and enjoy herself, but also do something to provide for her family that was, and which was really important to her. And so now one of the reasons that I do spend, or I used to at least spend so much time kind of doing the cooking things to me, it also really does feel like I'm spending time with my mother when I'm doing that, uh, which is really important to me to like honor her memory and because you know I you know people die and you're like oh wish they hadn't done that miss that person <laughs> uh, to, to put it casually and not get like too sappy but it also like in those moments to me it feels like kind of like a gift and space and time with um my mom who wasn't here who very much had that same experience so again thank you this was such a wonderful experience for me oh I love that that's so cool I think it's important, you know, this, this last year plus has just totally altered, obviously our routines and our lives and all of that. And Kara, just being able, as you said, being able to, even, even though we are at home often with ourselves or with our roommates or partners or whatever, and, and we have to be home all the time. It is nice to remember that just because we are home all the time doesn't mean that we can't afford that moment of joy, whatever it might be. Even if it's just spending a time, like a moment alone cooking in the kitchen or watching a TV show with a glass of wine by yourself and having those, those moments where you're taking care of yourself is so important. And it's, it's hard to remember that when maybe all you do is spend time alone <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> because, yeah. because that's the reality of our lives right now, whether we're working from home and, and, or whatever. And so I, I think that's a really good reminder just as, especially as things do start to open up and there is, there does feel like this, I have to go out there and I have to see these people I haven't seen. And that's, that is important. And making reconnecting with those people that we haven't seen in a long time is really important, but we can't forget how important our own selves are. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Well, wow. What a powerful salad, you guys. I mean, <laughs> it was like, it was a really, you know, it was a touching episode and apparently it was a touching salad. So it was a really, uh, a really special episode. Yeah. Touched me. <laughs> touched me on the inside. Yikes. So <laughs> one, uh, one question that we have before we move on is, does it left over? Mm. I would I mean, say a yeah. very resounding yes. I would say too. And I um, I think I wrote in the end of the recipe. I mean, this is really a recipe that will even probably be better the next day because all those flavors kind of mingle and meld. You know, it's a great it's a great one for, as I kind of mentioned earlier, like taking to a barbecue or whatever, like taking to a potluck. It's a great dish at room temperature. In the event that you do need to leave your house for any reason, <laughs> you could definitely, you know, take it as a bagged lunch or, or anything like that. And I think it would hold up really nicely, which is always a plus for sure. Yeah, I had it on its own leftover, but then I also used it as the dressing for another salad like I put it on top of some greens Mm -hmm. and yeah it it was I mean it's great I think when I made it I actually ended up adding more celery Mm -hmm. so you were talking about just like remembering how much you love celery when you use it and I think I I relate to that a lot where I don't remember that I like celery and then I cook with it I'm like I love this and (laughs) and so I love the crunch that it gives and so the chickpeas and the kidney beans are just naturally kind of soft and the green beans, I think the next day aren't 
at least mm-hmm. mine weren't as freshly cooked crispy. And so, sure. but so then the celery just like continued to add that really refreshing crunch. And it was just, it was lovely. I love that. And it's funny. I actually did the same thing a few days later. I put some leftovers over like a bed of lettuce. And I think I added like some feta as mm. well. And it was really great that way too, for sure. Ooh, now I'm just thinking of things I could like add to it. I could do like some garlic sauteed spinach. Mm. Ooh, totally. That in. That'd be incredible. Ooh. And also like this. something that would be really interesting to do with this is to kind of like made a, make a, like a sweeter version with like cranberries and almonds, something like that. Oh, totally. Uh, I think that it's so versatile. There's so many different kind of uh, flavor profiles you can add to the base to kind of give it a different uh, feeling. Mm-hmm. It'd be really good. Now that apparently I'm obsessed with green beans. <laughs> I love it. I love it. But I mean, those flavors you mentioned are, you know, kind of give me more of like an autumn vibe. You could totally do this even as a side for like a Thanksgiving or just like a fall meal or something like that, which is great. Yeah, totally. Ooh, put some tender butternut squash in there. Shut up. That'd be great. That sounds amazing. That. All right. Great. Well, let's see. Do we have any other final thoughts? Green beans are a plus. We're on team green bean from now on, it sounds like. I'm, I'm there. I love it. Take it to Twitter. Tell them. I'm going to tell them, hey, I like these beans. I, <laughs> I like love these people on Twitter I love be like, green yeah. beans. They're like, all right. Um, What's Kara doing now? (laughs) Well, wonderful. Kara, thank you so much for being with us tonight and for taking the time. I I appreciate the invitation. It's, you know, things have still been like pretty slow. And I, things I either like everything happens at once or nothing's happening at all with me. Oh yeah, I get that. Um, So this was great. And I'm so glad I was able to to be here Um, and, you know, not only spend tonight with you guys, but also spend last night taking care of myself, which is something I I wouldn't have done. And I wouldn't have remembered that is something I really love doing. So I feel like I owe you guys a lot. Oh, well, thanks for being here. Anything you want to like plug or promote or where on the internet can people find you? Uh, I'm on Instagram. I make a fair amount of content on TikTok. Uh, I occasionally tweet that's normally, uh, you know, the Twitter is really about whatever weird content I'm doing on TikTok. Uh, <laughs> but I'm also an actor, so I have various projects that uh, come up every once in a while. Like uh, a really popular YouTube group, Wong Fu Productions, uh, just did um, a short series called Strangers Never Again that I'm in the second chapter of, which is a, they, they did a, a short film called Strangers Again um, 10 years ago that was really popular on YouTube. So for the 10 year reunion of that, they made a sequel to it. And I always love working with those guys. So by the time this airs, that should be on the internet. If anyone has any interest in watching it, I definitely recommend uh, checking out Wong Fu Productions if you haven't. Awesome. Is that on? It's it's still on YouTube. It's a yeah, they're a YouTube channel. Cool, um, and they're uh, a group of filmmakers who are just so wonderful to work with. We will link to you in our show notes. But if you would like to tell the nice listeners your um, handles for all the things you just said, please be my guest. Yeah, my handle is just it's my name. It's Carolyn Dunton, spelled K A R A L Y N N D U N T O N, and I'm I'm that across all social media platforms. Amazing. I love it. Wonderful. Kara, thank you so much for being on. We appreciate you spending the time with us. Absolutely. So wonderful to have you on. Listeners, you can find us on the internet as well. We are on Instagram at Friends with Food Pod. We are on Twitter at Friends W Food Pod. We, uh, you can email us at Friends with Food Pod at gmail.com. You can find our website at Friends with Food Pod.com. And, you know, 
I, I hear what you're supposed to do is tell your listeners to like download, you know, rate, subscribe, review. Mm -hmm. If you listen on Apple podcast and you wanted to give us a five-star review, we won't be mad about it. I wouldn't be upset. I'd be okay with it. Tell your friends. And if you are watching along, the next episode will be season five, episode four, which I believe is the one where Phoebe hates PBS. And we will see you then. In the meantime, we are your hosts. I'm Zoe. And I'm Heather. Now go find some friends and make them some food. Wow. We're fighting now. Oh no, mom. You don't know what I'm doing. You're like, this is uncomfortable. You can customize. It's easy to make and you can really customizable. You can (laughs) customize it. Wow. What a mess. What is going on? We were just talking about how much Kara hated the salad. I love it. No. No. <laughs> no we That's great.